1: Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I'm joined with both of my gaming dads, Paris Lily and Gary Witta, the rogue one, but we have a very special guest, the near and dear best friend of my heart, my guy, Danny Pena, joining
2: us again. Danny, how are you, homie? Hello. Hello, everyone. It's up, Paris? Hey, Gary, how you doing, man? Hello. I think hello. Our first time we're recording together. First yeah, that's time. true. That's yeah.
3: right. Really cool.
2: Yeah. See, this is oh, why I, I
3: said before the show started, why'd you let this guy in here? This is why I said it. See how he treats me?
1: For everyone watching and listening, Danny joined us, and Paris immediately shot me the look, like, why is Danny here? What's going on? And, of course, it wouldn't be a good time without these two best friends getting after each other. Danny, it's been a little bit since we last saw you and i know you have some really dope things cooking up of course g4 we've talked about the podcast hall of fame we've talked about but now you have a brand new venture that you're jumping into that we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show but can you give us just a brief teaser of what we'll be talking about dan
2: yeah i'm releasing a children's book uh based uh true story about my life uh it's called danny loves video games and it's coming out on thursday so we'll talk about it later on can't wait Exciting. Really, really exciting stuff, and of course, I have my two
1: gaming dads here along with you talking about this book, so it's going to be a really good conversation, but we have a whole lot more to talk about before that, and a special guest, Greg Miller, will be jumping in to talk all about a brand new game that you and your friends need to know about, but before of all that, let's jump right into it. This is The Kind of Funny Xcast We post each and every Wednesday at 6 a.m. West Coast, best coast time on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygamesroosterteeth.com, and of course, on podcast services around the globe. Don't forget, Kind of Funny is now Epic Games Partners, which means you can help support the team in a brand new way. If you're buying games off the Epic Games Store, upgrading your look in Rocket League or Far Guys, or even buying a season pass in Fortnite, you can use our Epic Creator code, Kinda funny at checkout anytime to help support the team. And talking about support, of course, we love to give love to those who support us, and we want to give a big thank you our Patreon producers for the month of September, Fargo Brady, Delaney Twining, Holy Crampets, uh, James Hastings, and Casey Andrews. Thank you all so much for your support. This week, The Kind of Funny X Cast is sponsored by Me Undies and Shopify, but we'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, let's jump right into it because we have some big news this week right here a departure from the Microsoft and Xbox family and 343 Industries. Because Bonnie Ross has gone to Twitter this week and announced that she will be stepping down and leaving the company. The Twitter post reads like this, while I had hoped to stay with Halo until we released the winter update, I'm letting you know I will be leaving 343 and attending to a family medical issue. I'm incredibly proud of the work everyone at 343 Industries has done with Halo Infinite, the Master Chief Collection, the Halo television series, and so much more. It has been an honor to serve alongside the team for the last 15 years and to be a part of a universe that I love. Thank you to everyone in the Halo community for your support. Halo's future is bright. I cannot wait for all of you to experience what we have in store and to cheer alongside you as a fan at the Halo World Championships in October, Axios, Bonnie Ross. So that is the big post over on Twitter there's a lot to break down here, guys. But before we do that, 28 years in gaming at Microsoft, 15 years at 343 as the head and founder of the company. Windows Central reached out to Microsoft for a statement and actually received a statement about what the future plans are to replace Bonnie Ross right now. And actually, we have the goal right here. It says that the new studio head will be Pierre Pierre Hints, who we've spoken about before, leading up to Halo Infinite. He was in charge of leading the charge to fix Halo Master Chief Collection, so we'll talk about that. General Manager of Franchise, Brian Kosky, and Business and Operations Lead, Elizabeth Van Wick. Will all three be taking the place of Bonnie Ross as they restructure the top? Paris Lilly, I'll start off with you. Of course, Bonnie Ross leaves 343s. What's your initial thoughts here and about the game plan later on? How are you feeling for Halo Infinite?
3: I mean, first and foremost... uh... It's it's about family, family first. So you take her at her word, and you know she needs to deal with family issues. So you know you just wish her and her family, you know, the best moving forward. Um, me on a, on a personal note, I mean it's it's a little bittersweet that that Bonnie Ross is leaving three four three and leaving the Halo franchise because as much as we may have talked about Halo over over the past few years here on XCast and the things that we want to see from Infinite, the criticism, all of that, she's been you know the steady hand at the wheel this entire time uh, since uh, the transition from Bungie over to 343 and there very well may not even be a halo right now if it wasn't for Bonnie Ross and I think that's a very important aspect to to bring into this um, that franchise owes her a lot um, uh, she's clearly a very respected person around this industry so you know it is sad to see her go and I and actually I'm glad Danny's here because um, on, on a personal level Um, I feel myself as a creator who I am now, I owe a small part to Bonnie Ross. And I think I've told the story here on on the show previously, but um, I interviewed her when the Master Chief collection came out and I was just completely nervous, panicked the whole thing. And, you know, Danny and I have a little inside joke about it, but it was a year later that I got to talk to her privately and you know, told that story. And I just remember the advice that she gave me at that time. And it has literally stayed with me ever since. So seeing the news that that she has left 343, like I said, is is bittersweet. Um, Now, to the point of what they're doing moving forward, um, I think splitting up the leadership into three parts makes a lot of sense, because maybe that's part of the thing. She had so much on her plate. As the head of the studio and halo is more than just a game at this point it is literally that this franchise ip that is now a tv show you got the comics like there's all these different things that halo is doing you know out, out there in entertainment that it kind of makes sense to split that up into three tiers so a, a leader can focus on that one aspect of the business versus trying to juggle all three at once so um Bittersweet that she's going, but I think this is the right approach to replacing her, and uh, it it will be interesting to see moving forward where
1: where the franchise is headed. And I want to get you involved as our guest, of course. Paris breaks down the initial impressions. Let's start to shift the conversation right now of the future. We look at Pierre now taking over that lead role right now. That's a big uphill battle to climb. He's done it before with Master Chief Collection and this team. Do you have faith in the new leadership group here? Moving forward with three four three industries.
2: I mean, if you look back and remember when Master Chief Collection launched uh, that year, it wasn't that great. The online matchmaking was terrible. It was, it took like a while for them to fix, and then now you could go back and, and play these games, and, and it's in a good spot right now. So, seeing that, I think, uh, I think probably Halo Infinite probably going to be in a good place uh, because of Pierre and, and the team too. So, but yeah, um, actually, I saw bonnie ross because i went to the to the halo Paramount plus series uh premiere here in, in los angeles and man she was really really excited she got emotional when uh when uh kiki and her were on stage uh talking about the the series and and talked a little bit about about the behind the scenes and everything man and uh she did a lot for for the halo community you know and it's just sad to see her go man and uh but yeah the paris right family comes first Definitely family comes first, man. So um, I, I just want to know if if 343 are going to stay quiet and just work on on the, on the game for right now or continue to give us updates on, on stuff that's coming up in the future. That's the, that's the thing I would like to know, man, because right now a lot of people are not happy with Halo Infinite. And if they stay quiet, it's bad. If they say something, the, the community also will get mad too. So <laughs> we'll see what's going to happen with, with the new team. Gary Whitta,
1: mm-hmm. Gary Whitta, last week we spoke with Miles Pierre, and his dream was 343 to kind of branch out and try something new and different. This might be the moment for that. What do you think about putting in new leadership? Is this the opportunity to maybe take a step away from Halo and try something new? Or do you think they dig in deep and make Halo really, really great? well
4: first of all to to echo um Paris and Danny first and foremost best wishes to to Bonnie and her and her family if it's whatever's you know going on if it's something that has that has compelled her to kind of step down from from her job it's obviously it's non trivial in nature, and yeah you've got to take that stuff seriously. family always comes first, so more than anything you know just best best wishes to um to Bonnie and her family. I, I've i always liked Bonnie Ross. As you know, I'm older than dirt. I've been around for a long time. So I've had cause to to know Bonnie for a long time in various different capacities way back. You know, I was editor-in-chief of the official Xbox magazine. So I would cross paths with her, you know, when I was on the journalism side. And then you know many many times since then as you most recently as you know I did some story consultancy some narrative consultancy on on Halo Five so I'd go up to Seattle and I would see her and she was she's just always she's always been nice to me and just a nice person just on a personal level I just like her a lot um, in terms of her contribution to three four three and Halo and Microsoft's gaming efforts and the gaming industry as a whole you know for me, Bonnie is is a hall of famer I think you know the amount of you know the 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 length and 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 distinction of her service to games and to microsoft and to halo is I, I think is 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 remarkable and um you know that's you know she's she's kind of earned her place um in in gaming history we as we've talked about on the uh xcast several times uh because of the you know what's happening with halo infinite you know the the 343 how it's been run how it's been managed and led called into question recently there's you know the 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 story of 343 since it's, since its exception, i think a mixed bag there's been there's been good and there's been bad um but i think i think paris is right that that i i I don't think halo would be what it is today without bonnie being at least a a, a part of that story and i think she's been a big part of it and um in terms of what it means and and just finally what i I would say is that once whatever um bonnie and her family dealing with is resolved i would like i'd like to think that this isn't the end of bonnie in the games industry that she'll be back in some form maybe at microsoft maybe someplace else but um, I get the impression that that Bonnie, who is just relentlessly energetic and has a lot of passion for games, isn't uh isn't close to done. And I, I do hope we'll we'll see her back in in some form. Um, in terms of the, the 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 new leadership, it's kind of I didn't actually know the thing about the three people being kind of the new, like the Voltronning three people together to create like the replacement for Bonnie. I don't know if that if that's meant to be like an interim thing or eventually kind of like one leader, you know, usually when you when, usually when you get to the very top of, of something, there's one person, right, who calls the shots. So like there aren't three Phil Spencers, right? So I don't know why there would why they, why there would be like three Bonnie 2.0s. Like at some point, maybe that'll distill down to one person being in charge, It's maybe an interim thing. Um and then for the direction of 343, I mean look, 343 is basically named after something in Halo, right? 343 Guilty Spark. Like it was built and and was engineered to to basically carry Halo forward. Um so I don't think you'd I I'd be really surprised if you saw 343 doing anything non-Halo-related. I'd be also be very surprised if you saw another developer come in and and take over the kind of the Halo mantle. I don't think you're going to see anything that drastic. But to go back to what you, me and Miles were talking about last week, I would like to see them experiment more and try different things in the Halo universe. I was pontificating last week about a, a, a Last of Us style, kind of more narrative, you know, story-type game or something where it's not just shooty, 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 which is like first-person shooters are not always the best genre to tell a story in because, you know, you're always moving. It's kind of hard to focus on the story, but they have a lot of mythology and a lot of story in in the Halo universe that they're very proud of. I would like to see them maybe experiment with game types that lean more into allowing them to deliver a really good story. So it's early days, whether or not this means, you know, a a, a change in leadership through a company can sometimes mean a change in direction or it can mean staying the course. And, you know, they may already have a plan in place, even after Bonnie's left, they're going to continue executing on that same plan, or it might mean a different vision. It's too early to say
3: right so so Gary, I actually want to go back to something you were saying uh questioning if the the three the three pillars of leadership, if that was a temporary thing or a permanent thing i I, I tend to lean it's a permanent thing because when you really break it down, Pierre is in charge of the games, like the halo games the the, the core aspect of of the franchise, right but then you and and I'm blanking on the name, so I apologize, but then the other The other person is going to be in charge of of the franchise of Halo as far as the entertainment aspects of it, right? And then you're going to have a third person that uh, is in charge of business operations. And that's where I was saying, maybe because think about it, if, if Bonnie Ross was trying to handle all of that at once, that's a lot of different moving parts that are going on. Whereas you're kind of lessening the load on one individual and breaking into three people to be able to handle that. So to your point, and, and and all three of you had a great conversation last week. I wish I could have been a part of it. But to your point about more experimentation, maybe this frees up Pierre to do some of that stuff. Like, all right, we got Joe Staden on Halo Infinite, he's handling that. Maybe I can bring in someone else that we try something new. You know, obviously there's the rumor battle royale and things like that. Maybe there's other, you know, we've had Halo Wars and other things throughout the years, you know, with, with the Halo games, but maybe there are other smaller projects they can do in the Halo universe that this now frees frees up the leadership to have the, the, the proper management and everything in place to, to oversee that. So I do think to your point, you bring in new leadership nine times out of 10, you're, you're not just staying the course, you're gonna change something. So I, I do think we're probably gonna see Halo as a whole go in a different direction moving forward, maybe not so much infinite, maybe that's already set in stone on that roadmap, but I do think we'll see other aspects of, of the game itself. And then obviously the entertainment aspects of it kind of branch out of this.
1: Well, we wish nothing but the best for Bonnie Ross and her family. Very interesting times going on over at three, four, three. And of course the halo IP and franchise and a whole lot to discuss moving forward in the future of what could be and what will be for that team over there, but we have so much more to talk about. So let's keep it rolling. Uh, Paris, I know this is going to make you smile. It's going to make Danny chuckle over there. Jim Ryan had some crazy comments last week that everybody was talking about. Of course, we got to talk about it here because it pertains to Xbox and Call of Duty. I'm going to go straight from GamesIndustry.biz by Christopher Dring, who got the word and the whole article over here. So it says, Microsoft has promised to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for three years beyond the current agreement between Activision and Sony, says PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan. In a statement provided to GamesIndustry.biz, Ryan says the offer was, quote, inadequate on many levels, end quote. Last week, Xbox revealed that it had provided a signed agreement to Sony to guarantee Call of Duty on PlayStation with feature and content parity for at least several more years beyond Sony's existing contract with Activision. Xbox said the offer or this offer goes well beyond typical gaming industry agreements. I hadn't intended, uh, quote, I hadn't intended to comment and what I understood to be a private business discussion, but I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into a public forum, Brian stated. Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the co- current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take into account of the impact On our gamers, we want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality of Call of Duty experience and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. End quote. Danny, things are getting Mm. a little spicy here as we continue towards this final ink drying on the acquisition of Xbox and uh, Activision Blizzard. Jim Ryan saying something uh, inadequate on many levels. Do you feel the same way about this proposal?
2: I think he sounds very salty, honestly, in my opinion. Right? <laughs> but that's just me. No, you know what? Um, PlayStation has always been known of getting exclusives for years, for decades. It's not nothing new. Um, you know, like right now with Final Fantasy Seven Remake, is that coming out of Xbox anytime soon? I don't think so. You know, um, nobody had this conversation Street Fighter, when Street Fighter was exclusive to PlayStation. Nobody complained about that, you know. So, I don't know. He he's just assaulting right now, man. And he and honestly, he thought by him releasing that statement, it was gonna look good on PlayStation, and it doesn't at all. People were a lot of people were making fun of that of that statement, honestly. So, I don't know. Um, I, I think he should feel lucky that that the game is actually coming out still on PlayStation, in my opinion. So, as a fan as a fan of Call of Duty, why not?
1: Gary Witter, do you feel the same way? This comment and of course the salt as Danny puts it out there. Is Jim Ryan getting a little salty and uptight?
4: Yeah, I tend to agree with Danny on this. And I and I think that um it was always gonna end this way. I think that there was always gonna be some some acrimony. We've talked about this before, the the kind of the post-console war um era that we that we convince ourselves that we live in it's all very well playstation and nintendo and xbox making eyes at each other on twitter and when when they have those kind of nice little moments it kind of gives you the same kind of emotions when you see like a puppy and a duck playing in a photo on instagram oh they're friends isn't that sweet but like the reality is like, and that's all very good for like public perception and that kind of Phil Spencer. I don't care where you play games, God of War Ragnarok looks amazing. You know, chatting up, chatting it up with Cory Barlog, like all that stuff looks great on the surface and it's great for public perception. And I don't doubt that there is some genuine sentiment behind it. I'm sure Phil is genu- genuinely excited to play God of War or Ragnarok. Who who wouldn't be? But but once you get past all of that, the rea- the cold hard reality is that business is war. And the, you, you, you take no prisoners. And it's all again, it's all very well with this kind of kumbaya message as for public perception. But try selling that to your shareholders who expect you to have your boot on the enemy's throat 24-7. Like if you've got an opportunity to kill the enemy, you're going to do it. And it's, it's kind of interesting when you pass that statement when, when Phil said, oh, we're going to keep it on the, on, the, uh, on the PlayStation for several more years. Well, that turns out to be three, the literal bare minimum definition of several. That you can get is three, right? So I thought that was kind of kind of passed. That was like passed in a in a very in a very clever way. I think again, though, no, Danny is right. Look, Sony lost this one. And the boot's on the other foot for once. Sony has been gobbling up exclusives and Sony fans have been laughing at, at, Play, at Xbox fans. We've got we've got Spider-Man exclusive. We've got this, we've got that. You don't have these things. We've been hoovering up all the best deals. Even on Call of Duty, just simple things like, oh, well, we get the, this, this exclusive game mode or whatever that you don't get for like a whole year, which is effectively, when they say a year, that's the entire life cycle of a Call of Duty game, right? Because there's a new one every year. So the boot is on the other foot for once. I do kind of understand Jim Ryan's saltiness i'd feel salty because look you got he got beat right he this is a big l losing call of duty which is a massive arguably the biggest third party franchise i mean minecraft and other things as well but call of duty is up there is absolutely s tier like you cannot be in the console wars seriously and not be able to offer call of duty to your to your fans you know again nintendo's just doing its own thing over there but in the head-to-head between microsoft and sony this is a this is a big l for for sony and in the next few years when it eventually does gonna be a big deal three four years from now when when this is this is the end of call of duty on playstation i think it is gonna hurt so i understand why jim ryan feels very salty about it I, but I again to agree with danny i think he would have been better off keeping that to himself like what what does he gain by whining about this in a public forum it just seems like a sore loser
2: yeah it, it was just bad pr i think man and, and they, he reminded me so much of don Matrick for some, for some
1: reason <laughs> sore loser salty uh harris lily i turn to you i mean just last year we talked about the bethesda (laughs) deal, and i think you said something iconic about if you spend x amount of dollars of course this is going down same feeling here for this one you
3: you you don't spend (laughs) 7.5 billion dollars to keep things the same just like you don't spend 70 billion dollars to keep things the same um the way i've looked at this is a little different than what gary and danny are are saying but it's it's Pretty much on on the level in this sense, th- this is all business. That's we're we're getting a public display of what happens behind closed doors with with business, right? Um, I think Jim Ryan saying what he said was more posturing than anything because, um, I jokingly on the Iron Lords uh, podcast the other day said the same thing. I was like, look, if my last name was Ryan, um, I'd be saying something too because I would fight this tooth and nail until it's actually official because if there's even a one percent chance that the deal doesn't go through it's to my advantage for it to not to go through right so it's the playstation advantage but i think what phil spencer has said you know with the the blog post when that when that came out is obviously what spurred jim ryan to come out in public and say what he said but here's the thing about all of that they've known this since january so it's not like this is brand new news um and Microsoft has been pretty consistent in everything that they've said. I mean, they didn't specifically say three years, but the several years beyond a normal agreement, they've been pretty consistent on. And if you really look at this, because I guess allegedly the, the current Activision PlayStation deal ends in 2024, tack on three more years, now we're in 2027. By the time you get to 2028, we're looking at, potentially PlayStation six and the next Xbox at that point. So really, I think this isn't more, it, this isn't really about this generation. This is more about the next generation of consoles and the and the next iteration of where we go, who has that tactical advantage of having this major IP, you know, in their holster. Now me personally, and me, people might think I'm crazy. I don't think Call of Duty is gonna leave PlayStation personally. I think, again, this is posturing, I think at the end of the the extra three years, there will be a negotiation that happens at that point, because I think what Microsoft is going to have, just like with Minecraft, no matter where platform it's on, they're going to be able to say day one on Game Pass, they're going to be able to say any type of DLC or battle passes or anything, they're going to be able to have incentives To get people to come over into the Xbox ecosystem, right? So they can basically like, look, you can spend $15 a month and play all the Call of Duty you want, or you can go spend $70 and every year and, and play it that way, your choice on the platform. Or you can come over to Xbox, play it on our console, play it on the PC, cloud stream it, the TV app, all these different places. So I think that's where it's headed with that. But I also think the ultimate thing about this is, and we've talked about this before, this Activision deal isn't really about Call of Duty. It's about the mobile it's about king it's about candy crush it's about that stuff that's where all the big money is really at in all of this and clearly playstation sees that too because why did you think they just made the acquisition they just made to get into the mobile space as well now yeah of course obviously call of duty is you know the the highest selling game every year and all that kind of stuff i'm not trying to discount it but who's to say that call of duty is still relevant in 2027 we don't know obviously have to wait and see and we've already heard that call of duty may not necessarily be putting out games every year which i don't think they should maybe they start leaning more into Warzone. obviously we're about to have an event that's coming up here in a a couple weeks that's going to talk about that stuff in more detail but i think the the whole playstation xbox is it going to leave is it not going to leave i'm leaning towards it ultimately winds up not going anywhere but microsoft is going to want something there's going to be some type of negotiation that happens out, out of this that PlayStation is either going to have to agree with or they do take it away. And then you now have enough time to figure out, all right, if we don't have Call of Duty, maybe we need to create our own IP in-house
2: that can replace it. It's kind I of disagree. I, it's going. I, I disagree, Paris. Well, you always do. Yeah. Look, Paris, there's an echo. I hear like yeah, an there's echo. an echo. Yeah. All right, good. Now we're good. There we go. If if that's true, then why Jim Ryan publicly said the, that that statement? I is. just said it. Posturing.
3: I would. You think posturing. so? Because one hundred percent. What if the deal doesn't go through? What if he said something that makes the deal not go through? That's to his advantage. I it's was, was fucking
2: kicking and screaming. It's looking like the deal is going to go through. Of course it is. We all. Because everybody's that. saying that every company's saying there's not competition, and places is the is the only one that's saying that it is. <laughs> of
4: course. <laughs> I'm. Like, un- un- un-
3: un- we're talking big business, though. So, uh-huh. yeah, go ahead, Gary. Sorry,
4: I was gonna say, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about this, and there, there's some time we've got like three years for you know, even if Phil, whatever whatever Phil is, not thinking right now, he's got three years to kind of rethink it or make another decision or whatever. But right now, I do think the plan is to is to take it away. Like, you know, like when you're going to spend this, and yeah, you're right, by the way, King, and not just King, but like, look, what Blizzard is doing with Diablo Immortal. Like yep. that's the mm-hmm. stuff that's quietly generating r- insane millions of dollars behind the scenes. Call of Duty is a, is a juggernaut financially as well. But we're just talking about Call of Duty right now. And again, if you're going to spend this much money to buy all these things, again, I, if it were me, my, my feeling that like I've got an opportunity to take one of the best things that Sony has going for it, which is Call of Duty on that platform. And I, can just ta- I can just take it away from them. I can just take that piece off the board or entirely. Why not do that? Now you could argue that you can have the best of both worlds. Continue to allow Sony to put it on their platform and still have the better offering because you have it on Game Pass and they exactly don't, and right. That's my so point. even yep. just, you can say, look, they've still got it and we're still going to make a lot of money selling it over there as a as a third party publisher on Sony's platform. But most people now are going to play Call of Duty is is going is going to shift tectonically away from being considered pre- predominantly a PlayStation. Um, lead platform game to an Xbox lead platform game because now they own it and it's going to be on Game Pass. Again, does Phil now want to go for the complete kill shot and take it away from Sony completely? Again, there's there's three years of of time horizon for them to decide exactly what they want to do. My inclination again is to be totally cutthroat about it and just take that away from them entirely. In terms of why this is kind of why this is why this has um bubbled over into the public sphere, I think that. The like Phil didn't even if let's say several years, three years, whatever it is, they're not doing that out of the goodness of their hearts again, because it, when it comes down to business versus business, there is no goodness of your hearts. Exactly. So you, you just want to murder the opposition, right? And, and come out on top. And so why even give them that three or four years grace period? Why do that at all? It's I think I think what Phil has tried to do and what they're trying to do strategically is find some kind of compromise between doing what they know is ultimately best for them, which is depriving Sony of one of the biggest third party franchises on the planet, but doing it in a way that doesn't make them seem like a bad guy in the bad public sphere. If they just yank it away, like, you ain't, we bought, we bought call of duty and guess what? You're not even getting it this year. We just took it off the board right away. That I think could blow back in their faces. So they're doing this little grace period to make it seem like they're being magnanimous, about the way that they're, they're handling this, but they are still ultimately taking it away from Sony. I think what Jim Ryan's trying to do is, and again, if there's any thinking about about the other Jim Ryan has got a history of like things that he probably should have thought more about before clicking send on, like this is not the first time if he's putting his foot in his mouth, here, this is not the first time that it's happened. But if there is some kind of PR strategy behind this, I think it's trying to spin the idea. I think the argument that Jim's trying to make is not like they screwed over Sony, but they're screw, they're screwing over Sony gamers by taking this away from you.
3: But see, but that goes to my point of why I was saying if you kind of look at adding on the three years to the existing deal, you're basically taking this to the end of this, this console generation, right? So if you're starting a, a new hardware cycle of consoles, and now to, to your point, Gary, now Call of Duty is exclusive to Xbox when people are going to go buy new hardware, that's even more of an incentive. Well, I'm just gonna go buy an Xbox because I want to go play Call of Duty. I think enough time will have passed from where we are now to then that it's not going to be this crazy uproar like you just took Call of Duty away from PlayStation because you literally had Call of Duty this entire console generation on PlayStation at that point. Mm -hmm. So I, I, the I, the numbers me, on I, I, yeah go ahead.
4: I was going to say the numbers on that don't quite add up for me. Like the the current generation is only a couple of years old. We're not going to be looking at new hardware three years from now. I mean the last generation was almost, no, 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 was no, no, almost ten saying, years old.
3: But the reason I'm I'm saying that is allegedly the current Activision PlayStation deal ends in 2024. So then if you add three years onto that, oh I now, see what you mean. Yeah 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 yeah. That's why I'm saying that. So what,
2: what, are, the, what are the chances that we will see the Life survey game? Warzone still on PlayStation, but the actual Call of Duty games very well could be could that be only be exclusive play. with Xbox. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be smart if they could mm-hmm. do that.
4: There's there's a, there's a lot of we you know there's a lot of kind of economics and and strategizing behind the behind the 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 public face of this, which is you know they're looking at two different options, right? Keep it on PlayStation. Take it away from PlayStation completely, or again, but with that, you know, we've got Game Pass and they don't, but we still publish it over there. Is to me, it comes down to, you know, a, a simple uh, equation of is there more money to be made keeping is it ultimately strategically best for us to keep it on PlayStation or not? But I guarantee you, all that Phil Spencer really cares about and all Xbox really cares about is what's best for Xbox as a business. As and if, if, they, you know. if there's a t- and again, it's that it, there's the very obvious easily quantifiable question of well how much money do we make if we continue publishing on playstation well they know that because there's years of activision doing it versus how much how much how much of a better position can we put xbox in strategically by denying sony one of the most compelling games that that people play on the playstation and that's that's harder to quantify so it's a big business decision i don't know again i don't have enough data to, to to put myself in phil spencer's shoes and make an educated choice about what, what they should do. But I, I can tell you right now, again, Phil, Phil Spencer and Xbox are going to do what's best for, for Xbox in, in, you know, in the overall kind of strategic picture, whatever they can do to advance the interests of Xbox and get more people playing on Xbox and stick it to Sony that without having any kind of blowback or being seen like the bad guy, that's the path they're trying to walk right now. And I feel like that's where they're going
1: to continue to aim.
2: All
1: right. Well, we will keep an eye on that one. Of course, that was Jim Ryan's comments out there. But uh, we're going to have a fun conversation right after a word from our sponsors.
0: This episode is brought to you by me, Undies. We've all heard of gut instinct, but have you ever heard of butt instinct? It's when your butt tells you it wants new undies. Listen your butt. Luckily, we work with MeUndies, makers of the most buttery, soft, and sustainable undies, bralettes, and socks that exist. You know that I have lived my life MeUndies head-to-toe for the majority of the last couple years. I'm just all in on MeUndies because they are absolutely the most comfortable uh, clothes I've ever put on my body. Available in sizes extra small to 4XL. They have new colors and prints dropping weekly, so there's always something exciting to check out. You can try their free-to-join membership for free shipping on every order and exclusive perks. Like an item shipped to your door every month, secret sales, and early access to their newest stuff. MeUndies has a great offer for you guys out there. For any first-time purchasers, you get twenty percent off, plus free shipping and returns. To get twenty percent off your first order, free shipping, and hundred percent satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com/kinda funny. That's MeUndies.com/kinda funny. Shout out to Shopify for sponsoring this episode. Shopify powers our very own kindoffunny.com slash store, our merch store. And we love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Shopify unlocks the opportunity of your business to more people every day, every 28 seconds. An entrepreneur like you makes the first sale on Shopify. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever growing suite of channel integrations and apps. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. You can go to shopify.com slash KF games, all lowercase, for a free 14 day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash kfgames right now. That's s h o p i f y.com slash games all lowercase.
1: All right, everyone, welcome back. Danny, you are here for a specific reason. Of course, I can see it in the background. We've got a book, Danny, that we talked about at the top of the show. And we got to talk about it here because you're my best friend, Danny. You're the best around. You've been pairs. You two have co-hosted for so long. You, me, and Gary have had some fun conversations here. And Of course, we wanted to take the time to put a spotlight on you and this new venture you're getting into. So let's talk about the book right now. When's it coming out? Why did you do it? What's the inspiration? And what can people take away from this book experience that you've had?
2: Yeah, so the book comes out September 15th. uh, And the reason is uh, that's um, first day of Hispanic Heritage Month and also... It's uh, one year, the one year anniversary where I had also billboards all over uh, Times Square. Thanks to Twitch for letting me be part of their campaign last year. And also that was the year where uh, that day was also when I proposed to uh, my wife, Rihanna. So uh, the reason the reason why I wanted to create this book with my cousin, uh, his name is Mr. Luna and his wife is Annie. They have a, a children's book company called Two Quality People in Miami. And they were the one that came up to me with the idea of talking about my story growing up as a gamer and how I um, created uh, a Gamertag Radio in 2005. So, in the book, I talk about uh, when my grandmother bought me a Atari 2600 for the first time in the in the mid 80s. I think it was like a couple months before uh, Nintendo got released here in the states and um ever since i got that console it completely completely changed my life and after that i always wanted to be part of the gaming industry um and i was just trying to figure out when i was uh, when i was young and one i didn't really had a mentor back back in those days uh, to tell me how to get it to, into the the industry um and it took me a very long time to figure it out and i had to do everything on my own um, and now that, that I'm in the industry, I'm trying to inspire kids and also educate parents, especially from the Latino side. Uh, when I got into gaming, my dad would always say, Hey, Danny, you're wasting your time. This doesn't pay the bills, this and this and that, cause he wasn't educated about gaming. And, um, and now, you know, he's, he's one of my biggest supporters. You know, now he knows a lot more what I do. And, and my mom always been a huge supporter for me um, when I was uh, in my early teens I was living in Dominic Republic and uh, I came up with an idea for me to have an office and I will have a bunch of Super Nintendos and Sega Genesis and I was charging people per controller for them uh, to play my game so I had Mortal Kombat 2 Street Fighter 2 Duggar Gun Country and everything and, and I made a lot of money my mom was the first one that said you know what Let, Let's let's do this and and we created a business, and because of that business, I uh, purchased a motorcycle uh, when I was in my early teens in Dominican Republic, man. So that was like my first gaming uh, business that I had um, when I was uh, in my early teens. So, so yeah, I just want to show people that dreams do come true, especially kids.
1: That's really, really special, and I love that. And of course, over on the kind of funny games cast right now, there is a full deep dive. Into you and the inspiration, and all about this book. And so, I wanted to make sure to shine the light on that. And of course, also, best friends out there, if you're interested in learning more about Danny's book or even purchasing it, here's the release date comes right around the corner when you're listening. Mm-hmm. Go to slash Danny right now. We have that book link available, ready to go. It will also be in the description of our YouTube. But, Danny, to segue that in, I thought, you know, I had the two gaming dads, I have you. You know, I know, Paris has had some great conversations around the gaming world about STEM and getting kids involved and interested in that awesome career path. Of course, I want to talk about, Hey, what are some of the goals and techniques maybe these dads can give us about parents having kids that are interested in games and also what is a great gateway into gaming that you would recommend? So I'll start with you, Danny, of course, what is a good maybe game or idea that a family can get into to start gaming with their kids and make that a really positive and awesome environment?
2: Yeah, there's a couple. I, I mean, I I just love that now. There's a lot of games where kids could just create uh, levels and and share that to the world. Back back when I was growing up, we didn't have those type of games at all. Uh, you know, with Minecraft, Mario Maker. Uh, I know a big one. Two Roblox is a good one, and um, I think that's like the best way to to start with that. So people especially kids could come up with like some really cool levels or, or games, and they could share that to the world, in my opinion, man. So one of the things I've been trying to do, especially uh, for the past couple of years, I've been talking to a lot of gaming companies to see if we could have more workshops and more events in, in Dominican Republic or in other places in Latin America. Uh, because usually a lot of the gaming companies will go to a city like Mexico, Brazil, which that's where they have like the most... Um, most people there are borrowing their products and everything, right? So a couple of years back I invited um Unity and we did a free workshop um for free for developers in Dominican Republic and also I was uh teaching content creators how to how to podcast, how to, you know, stream online and everything like that. So um because the the percentage of a lot of the Latinos in the industry in gaming is very, very small. And I'm trying to make that change. You know, and I know Paris has been doing this too at the same, uh, same time, right? Um, making that change behind the scenes too, man. So this is just a beginning, I think, for all of us. That's awesome. Paris, I'll kick it to you, talking about making that change, right? I see you all the time on
1: social media. You <laughs> are going to plant the flag. You will make that change. You've made a change in many people's lives around, but let's talk about the kids and fostering that kind of interested in STEM. What do you do? What's next? Because you have held conversations with many people around the globe about Kind of getting into it, and then that next step of pushing it forward and really encouraging that. What would you give to parents that have kids that are interested in games or maybe a gaming career path?
3: Well, I would just say, from just the, the, the basic parental standpoint, especially have small kids, LeapFrog is a, is a great gateway into in getting your, your smaller kids. I'm talking like, you know, four, five, six years old in, into gaming. I think as they start getting older, Danny already brought it up, Minecraft. I mean that that's a big one right there because not only are you having fun and you're able to collaborate with other people but you're literally building levels and designing and doing all these these things and the more you get into it the more advanced it becomes mario maker again as as danny stated i think is a great one that can get you in it's a fun game and then you can start creating your own levels and, and share them with your friends and all that. My I tell you about mine all the time, like my daughter, she's addicted to, to Fortnite, Roblox, things like that. She's constantly playing those things all the time. Um, I would think on a more advanced level as you're getting into coding and we're talking about STEM, you know, I was lucky enough to uh, be a teeny tiny part of Game Camp New Orleans that Microsoft has done over the past few years. This year, I got to actually speak and do an interview. Um, with one of the devs over at um, Double Fine. Um, and they're actually doing game camp Atlanta right now because I know Major Nelson uh, went down to Atlanta and has been a part of that. So that was cool to see that they're expanding it out in- into more areas in the United States. And I believe it's in Korea as well. Um, and-, and I was trying to look up the name and I'm hating that I don't have the name in front of me right now. But Danny and I, a few weeks back, um, got in the Riot Games, um, got to basically sponsor a tech center that mm-hmm. opened in South Central Los Angeles. And it is freaking amazing. And I'm, I am I wish I had the name in front of me right now I was trying to grab it really quick. I want to say it correctly. But it's a tech center in South Central Los Angeles. And again, it's it's to bring kids in, get them like they have a whole center set up, you can learn how to code, you can learn how to do video production, learn how to podcast, you just, everything. It, it's so awesome to have things like that. And I wish we would we'd have more of those type of centers in, in more areas are, are around the country to get kids involved, get them hooked into this stuff early. Cause like even with my own son, I'm gonna call him out right now. You know what I, I yell at him almost every day, not yell at him, but I say to him almost <laughs> every day about I say it very loudly. Code, learn how to code, learn Python, learn JavaScript, you know, learn PowerShell. I'm constantly telling him this stuff. And he's like, Yeah, it's boring. I go trust me, it's going to take you very far in this world. If you learn how to do that. And to the gaming aspect of it, these are the you know, C++, all that these are the things that you need to learn as the basic building blocks to get into game development and create all these amazing things that look, I I ain't smart enough to know how to do. So it's like maybe the next generation could do it so I can enjoy it as part of my entertainment. So there's definitely a lot of different ways to get kids involved in this stuff. But it's, you have to start early because if you don't start early, you know, they are obviously are gonna go down a different path, but you can hook them early and make it fun. And then like we said, tie gaming into it, which is a fun activity to be able to do not only with your parents, but with your friends, then they'll just escalate it up to the
1: next level as they move on. One rad dad and another rad dad, Gary Whitta, you have made this a career, you have the experience, Maybe on the opposite side of all things, but you know, you look at Danny's book. We talk about the kids. You have your own kids playing games now. What are some things you would encourage parents to look at or think about? Maybe when you look back on your career and what happened with you and your parents back in the day.
4: Yeah, as as, as I was listening to you all talk about this, I was thinking about my my own experience, and it, what it really was back in the day. I'm going back to like the 1980s, like the day of like eight bit video games, right? When, when I was a kid coming up, I had a Commodore 64 and uh, I was very excited when I got my first Super Nintendo. And so this is like 80, this would have been like 85, six, seven, like, and, and I started my first job in video games in 88. Um, I was very, very lucky back then to have parents that were very um, uh, uh, understanding and like they they were just happy to let me get on with it and do what I wanted to do. But there were a lot, but back then, back in the eighties game, video games were not cool. In fact, they, there was a whole period as you, I'm sure you remember when they were considered dangerous and subversive and they're too violent and, you know, all the Joe Lieberman stuff in the early nineties, trying to ban video games and mortal combat. And like, it was, it was not an easy time to be a kid in video games back in the eighties and nineties. I was very, very lucky in that regard. that I had parents that were very kind of indulgent and they they, 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 if he's interested in it, let him be interested. They never tried to kind of steer me away and thank God because, you know, my interest in video games back then that led to me kind of tippy tapping out my, my first ever game reviews on an old typewriter that I had in a sentimental delight now long defunct, print game magazines and got my first piece published. And that was the beginning of a journey that has led to me being here with you fine people and having had a very, you know, nice career in video games and now, and now show business. And it's, you know, it's been this remarkable journey and had my parents not been as indulgent, or if they'd have said, and as I imagine a lot of kids still here today, like put that you know, controller down and go do something actually useful. Um, you know, I might not, God knows what I'd be, be, be doing today. The good news is, Here's, here's what's interesting about it. It's like back, back when I was a kid, there was almost no part, I think part of the reason why there was so much resistance, you know, kids playing, spending too much time playing video games is that parents would look at that and see no path for them. It's like, well, how is this going to turn into something for you? Like, this is never going to lead you anywhere. This is just just another form of delinquency, like sniffing glue or something, like video games. Because there was all this like bad bad you know, rap in the media about it. Now you've got parents that are watching their kids playing Fortnite and thinking, oh, maybe I can retire early. Maybe this kid's going to go be the next esports sensation because there's so many different ways. If, if you want, not everyone has to. For some people, it will just always be a hobby and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you have a love for games and you want to turn it into something, there are now so many viable paths. Become a YouTuber, become a Twitch streamer, become a podcaster, become a journalist for a mainstream outlet, become a, an esports person. become a developer. There are so many legitimate paths to to do very, very well. In this and in this business, and that is now apparent to parents everywhere and people everywhere because it has become so so mainstream. And I think I think books like Daniel correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's never been difficult to convince kids to be into video games, right? You, you don't need a book to tell vid- kids that video games are cool. I think books like Danny's are kind of low key, more aimed at the parents, right, and the people around them yeah. to kind of convince them, look, what what your kid is doing is cool, and there's and there are legitimate reasons why video games are healthy and like anything else in moderation, they're healthy and they can spark imagination. I look at the games and again, more so now than ever. Again, when I was a kid, games were very simplistic. Um, and I want—I was interested in making games, but there were no tools, right? I, if I didn't go away and learn some kind of arcane assembly language, there was no way for me to get into video games. That's why I became a journalist instead. I looked briefly into the idea of like coding games and I just, I just there was no way in that was, accessible for me now look at all the tools that are available even just the basic like one of my the things that my kid loves to do the most is like when when she plays minecraft and roblox she likes making the stuff like look, look at all the amazing stuff that kids make on roblox or the amazing experiences they can create In Minecraft and and tools now and video games now are so much more geared to be tools to create and experiment and make things out of your imagination than they are just you know ways to play. And I think that when you learn when you even when you're doing basic stuff like learning to make a level or or a world in Minecraft, you're engaging the same sort same part of your brain that is ultimately going to lead you to work at NASA or something. It's problem solving. It's it's creative ways to find solutions to problems. My kid um used to mess around with a thing i don't know if you've seen this thing called scratch but it's a very easy to learn programming language language for kids that's all done in a web browser and and you can create amazing like kids create amazing things with it and so i think that the environment and the general uh kind of public perception towards video games both as like a healthy pursuit and a legitimate multiple paths into a career is has become so much easier than it was back in the day. And, and and at the same time, I think books like Danny's that reinforce that in, 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 in mainstream media and popular culture only help kind of reinforce that narrative and, and push the ball forward.
3: Thank can you, man. I, Thank you. Can I, cause I was killing me that I couldn't remember the name. I just yeah. want to say the technology center in Los Angeles it's called the Sola. So South LA, but Sola technology and entrepreneurship center powered by riot games, 13,000 square foot center, Like I said before, they got 40 high-end gaming PCs. They got a streaming studio, podcasting studio, coding classes, the whole thing. And it's about bringing this to the community, to kids that were, I'm literally reading the press release, that were unaware of what was available to them. And that's the whole point. These kids aren't going to know. It's up to us to make them aware of these tools and providing them to them so they have these opportunities. And then it's up to them once we provide everything to them what they want to do with it. But I, I was so happy to be able to go to that grand opening and see stuff like that. Hopefully it spurs more communities to do the same.
2: Yeah, one last thing, Um, on Thursday, the day that the book comes out, we're having an event in Miami and it's completely, completely sold out. Uh, A lot of people coming in with their kids. Um, And the cool thing about that library is that's the first library that I went uh, when I started using a computer because I didn't have a computer at home. And by using that that library, it helped me how to learn how to create a website. I was using it, angelfire.com at that time. Geocities. I even, uh, yeah, GeoCities. <laughs> I got my first email because of it, you know. So that that what you just mentioned, Paris, that uh, that that spot from from Riot. This was was for me back back in the nineties. For me, man, you know. So now that the kids have access like this, man, it's gonna be really cool to see. Them experiences that, like you know, I know there's a, a room where the kids could also create robots. It's like a robotics yes. area, right? Yeah. There's another. there's another the one where too
3: they could make the drones. Drones. Yeah, cool. they, yeah. they
2: could create, uh, produce music, or or learn how to play instruments too, or go to the gaming center. Even how to learn how to become a caster for esports. Because there's also another yes. uh, room that's strictly esports where people could compete against each other, and the casters will be behind in the back. You know, it looked. I just love the design. It's so really, really, so so big and cool to see that man.
4: That's that's and that goes back to the point I was making about how great, how many different avenues they are, and and it's like there's something for everyone, right? Let's say you're more technically minded. Well, learn how to you know you can learn how to code Mm -hmm. games and and be involved on the technical side. Maybe you're more creative. You know, there's 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 you know a design, and there are legitimate you know kind of legitimate schools offer like real design courses and design pathways into the game industry and they often have like feeder routes, like directly into, you know, developers. They hire from out of these classes, out of these schools now, um, or become a, you know, become write about games, you know, be a journalist, you know, be a, be an observer, be a commentator, be a critic. Uh, Or if you have a big personality, like, like Danny just said, go be an esports caster or put yourself in front of a camera on YouTube. And that's the, and that's the other amazing thing that's so different from when I was a kid, like all the gatekeepers are gone. Like it's so many of the big, of the, what we think of like the big YouTubers and the big celebrities, the big Twitch streamers, they didn't ask, they didn't need anyone to discover them. They just went out and like put themselves in front of a camera and and showed what they what they had, and an audience found them, right? Because they 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 were doing something that was distinctive. So it's that kind of, if you build it, they will come type of attitude now that is so much easier, that's so much more attainable than it was back in the day.
3: And to your point, really quick, Gary, uh, like Marcus Brownlee, I think I'm pretty sure a lot of people know him, he's a big technology YouTuber, he's literally doing a series right now where he's doing like electric cars and stuff. And he's purposely doing everything with his phone, all the filming production, everything is with his phone. So, so that just shows you to your point, Gary, where technology is right now. And th- these kids can have the tools in their hands to literally do whatever they want.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's
3: the exciting right. part about it. But it, it's up to us as the parents, to kind of guide them along the way so that they realize about the opportunities that are there for them.
2: Yeah, that's one of the main reasons why I have the book in English and also in Spanish, because there's a lot of people that don't know anything about gaming, you know? So uh, a couple of weeks back, I had Telemundo uh, coming to the, they they came to the studio at uh, G4 because uh, they wanted to know what is it I'm doing now and everything. And uh, I had to explain to them <laughs> everything that I do and how I started with gaming podcasts and everything, man. And by the end of the interview, the the reporter was like, her mind was blown. He's like, wow, I, I, I had no idea it was like this, man. So it's all about educating people, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. Heck
1: yeah. Congratulations, Danny. And of course, Thursday can't come soon enough. But all the best friends out there, if you're interested in learning more or even purchasing the book on pre-order or when it releases, depending on when you're listening, you can go to kindoffunny.com slash Danny right now, go support Danny and celebrate this awesome new venture that he's getting into and help encourage someone in your life to continue to pursue that dream in gaming. With that, guys, we're going to hit the pause button because Paris, Lily and Danny, they got to go, but I still have one special segment for you coming up with the Greg Miller. So we'll say goodbye. I'm leaving because good Greg's coming, just so you know. <laughs> Danny well, I'm, leaving, I'm leaving because Paris is here, so <laughs> oh, I have to leave. Her.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> Goodbye, you two, and uh, right, Gary. <laughs> with that, we'll keep the show rolling as they leave. It's just going to be you and I for a little bit. But Gary, that gives us a moment to check in because I have something cool for you, Gary. Go on. You tweeted out a collect oh. or a big picture of your new controller collection. I oh saw, yeah, Gary, and it do continues- you have the pictures? to grow i don't have the picture but i'll bring it up while i tell you about this one gary brand new xbox elite controller is on the way and that means you and i have another big purchase to make is that the white one collection that is the white one let's talk about it so this is the xbox elite series 2 controller core in white so the core elite controller comes with all of the features that you want it's in a brand new color in white so you'll have the Uh, Three customizable profiles, adjustable trigger lengths, thumbstick tension, wrapped around rubberized grips, and 40 hours of rechargeable battery life. But Gary, it is missing a number of its components. Why you're going to get the core instead of the normal one we'll talk about in just a second, but it will be missing, of course, the back paddles, the interchangeable D-pads and thumbsticks, um, and the whole rechargeable case as well. So what it's coming down to, Gary, is the Xbox Elite Series 2 controller in black with all of the bells and whistles that you want is $179.99. The Xbox Elite Controller Series 2 core in white, just your core features of it, $129.99. And then, of course, you can buy the component pack, the complete component pack that you're missing in the in-between for $59.99. Gary, are you excited about kind of a... Cheaper version into the Xbox Elite series controllers
4: yeah, it's kind of interesting the, the the way that they've split uh the 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 package into these two pieces right typically when you know the all of the different versions of the elite controller in the past have been the premium price point and they've come with all of the you know when you open the case all of the paddles and the gubbins and extra d pads and stuff they're all in there right Everything you need is a complete kit, and it comes you know all comes in this nice little case um the idea of splitting it so that you get like again it's just just kind of the core unit for a cheaper price but then you but if you want like all the paddles and the, and the gizmos then you can buy this kind of separate accessory pack and i'm not i'm not 100 percent convinced of the strategy behind that you know maybe if you want to if you want a cheaper version of elite elite controller you don't care about the paddles but you want the premium weight the premium feel like you know this mike even without the paddles and stuff when you hold an elite controller you know it's an elite controller right it feels like a premium item it's heavier it's made of kind of higher quality materials it just feels better in the hand you've got those adjustable thumbsticks the paddles and the extra and the the other interchangeable parts, I, I use those. I love those parts. I've never even taken out of the case. I like the the satellite dish, you know, D pad, for example. I like that better than the than the standard four way one. So I've just always left the you know the dish version on. So I don't need every component. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, it kind of I, I I'm doing the math in my head, and I feel like if you want the full kit, by the time you've bought the core and the accessories, you're actually ending up spending more than you would if it was offered all in one piece. I don't know. Maybe it would be nice to offer, you know, the the full set so that you know you can get it all in one. Um, but uh, I do like the controller overall. I, I like that black and white styling. Reminds me a little bit of maybe taking a design cue from the DualSense, which I've said all along. I think is the better looking controller, I still prefer to use an Xbox controller, just like the feel of it better. But I feel like the, I don't know, it's something a bit more grown up looking about the DualSense. It looks like something out of a cool science fiction movie rather than, you know, just a video game controller. And I, I really like the aesthetic of it. So this definitely has that kind of same feel that black and white um, uh, colorway is really, really cool. Um, I still I'm still waiting for maybe this is not a big deal, but I'm still waiting for a series three that will actually Bring it to parity with the with the current controllers, which is the you know the share button. Again, you can always map the share button to something else, right? The the nice thing about the elite controllers is they come with that whole customized customizable software package where you can make any of the paddles or any of the buttons do anything you want. You can activate kind of a a, a um, a secondary mode for any of the buttons where if I hold down this and then press that and the A button does something different now. So there's all different ways you can map the share button. It just something about not having that dedicated share button there because they have the the profiles button instead in the same place. Feels like there's something missing from this being the current generation controller. Maybe that's a, that's a tiny thing. And the fact that they've now released this core version that doesn't have a dedicated share button in the typical spot is Microsoft saying, yeah, we don't really care about that. Um, it's not a priority for us. I like I like the design. I think it's maybe interesting. They are offering it at, at, a, at a cheaper price, but I kind of feel like most people that are going to want an elite controller aren't going to want to go halfway. They're going to want the paddles and everything else. And it's it does sound like you actually you will end up spending a little bit more if you want everything than if you know you were just buying a regular you know uh, a regular series two with all of the pieces included. But I'm I'm glad to see them continuing to double down on the on the elite controller, especially now Sony's got its answer coming. Right? Was it the DualSense Edge? Is kind of their version of the elite mm-hmm. controller, so you know the controller wars are, are, are escalating. Um, and of course, design lab—it seems like the design lab options that they're offering are going to be less uh, wondrous than uh, they, they showed some of the some of the different colorways you can do. It. it really just looks like you can take one, you can take the base color and have it be a bunch of different colors, but really being able to customize every every individual bumper and button like you can on a regular Xbox controller, I I don't think the elite design lab's going to go to that. Level but you can nevertheless still like if you want a you know purple um, uh, elite controller you'll'll you'll, you'll be able to
1: get one now. So that's something at least. Yeah, you're right on that, Gary. That was something I was going to bring up next is of course, they were promoting this holiday season for the Xbox Elite Series 2 controller core, but also design labs welcoming in the elite controllers. and I, I totally agree with you, Gary. I thought we'd see a little bit more pop out of that shirt, which is a quick teaser video of just like, hey, now it's purple, now it's red, now it's green, whatever. I thought you and I would see more of like customize the back paddles, customize the interchangeable. Yeah. D-pads. I don't know. Here's yeah, on this, but I I, at, I get it both ways.
4: I was on, a, you know, it'd been, I was saying to Paris last week on Twitter, Oh, I called it that You know, we said they were going to bring it to design lab and they've, and they've done it. But like, I never actually really expected them to do it. I felt there was, I, I didn't, I had no idea why, but I just sent something kind of told me that there's something about the way that these elite controls with the premium materials and the interchangeable parts, like they're just not going to be able to get it working with design lab. And I think, the I think the compromise has been that the, there's obviously there obviously is an issue there because again the customizing the customizing customizing options on as bespoke as they are on the regular ones and I think it's because you know pre, you've got some premium parts you've got interchangeable parts right the D pad the thumbsticks swap out they come off I think for I, I think they just looked at it and said we can't do this the same degree. The the same degree of customization is just not compatible with the way we make the elite controllers, but we can do this. Like you can at least change the main body color. And so that's the compromise. Again, it's nice that they that they are um offering something. And I think you'll see more uptake in elite controllers because now people can make it their own to some extent. But I I, I, I think it's it's very I think it's very much a, a product of the fact that the high end kind of manufacturing the elite controllers it's just not compatible with like super, you know,
1: custom customize every piece that you want. Agreed, Gary. Uh Kevin, our producer and director of the show, Kevin Coelho, running the shows today, brought up a photo of your collection that you shared oh, you over go. on social media. So before we get out there of this is. segment, Gary, your conti- your collection of controllers continues to grow. Of course, if you're watching on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, you will see them if you're listening on podcast services. Just imagine, Gary, having a dining room table do you want me- full of Xbox Elite controllers at this point. Do you
4: want me point. to walk you through these real quick? I'll tell you what each
1: one is. Sure, you can walk us through that, Gary. That'd be great. All right,
4: so, the, so the top row, the first four, those are just the basic colors that came with the Xbox, right? Black, carbon black. There's the red one, the white one that you get with the Series S, but you can also get it as a separate controller. And then the blue one. These are kind of the four colors that they essentially had at
1: launch. Now, do you remember the names of these? Because I have been- Car- carbon black. Okay. hit me with the uh, red do you remember it
4: red i don't remember what is it what, i what's think the it's red one? sport
1: red i want to go with sport red White
4: is is it phantom white i want to say i think it's robot white robot white, and then blue i don't remember what they call the blue one
1: uh shock cobalt? blue shock blue, blue i thought like
4: it was like cobalt blue or something and then the next two on the on the, those are the two elite controllers that's a series the regular series two in the master chief series yes two. underneath that is god what do they call that bright luminous one it's um electric vault i want to say or something like that yeah vault you know, yeah uh-huh. i love that one that's what that's my go-to that blue okay the blue kind of metallic shiny one i can't remember what they call that but that's another favorite of aqua. mine aqua aqua yeah um the next one is the one i always said that i would never own but i actually really like it the for the, the forza horizon one i think it's hideous aesthetically but i love the fact that because it's got that translucent shell it, it it really feels like we it lights up one. when the Xbox Dual lights up. Nasty. And then the, I don't know if you've held this controller, Mike, but it had the, the number one feature about this and why I use it for a lot of games is it has that, the grips on the back are that steering wheel material because just yeah, done the yeah. Forza and it really does feel like a steering wheel in your hands and it's just so grippy. I love it. I wish it was standard across all controllers. Um, the pink one is, is one that my kid designed in Design Lab. She uh, has very, she likes pink and so she went all out pink. The next two... Are two that were those are Butterfinger promotional controllers that the Butterfinger people sent me as like as part of an influencer package. Game better with Butterfinger. Game yeah. better with Butterfinger. And that one of the, the, the 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 first yellow one there is kind of like a shiny one, and then the second one's got like some chocolate jizz on it. I don't know what that is. Oh, like some, oh some wow. Okay. You yeah. always
1: take it there on the podcast. <laughs> always take it there. <laughs> next the next, That's the what next it is. Row, that dark blue one with the white and
4: yellow—that's my design lab yeah. uh, concoction, and that's in the those, those are in the Tottenham Hotspur team colours. The black and white, the black and white one is really interesting. That was sent to me by a company called Sun Zero that makes blackout curtains. Oh, and wow! Me, okay. and had, these are the blackout curtains that they sent me, and I have a room here that usually gets a lot of sun, so these blackout curtains are actually really important to have. And they sent me these blackout curtains, but they also sent me that controller. And what's interesting about it is it's heat sensitive. So as you, if you're playing with it for a while, Ooh. the colors of the controller will actually change under the heat of your hands. Oh. So like, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, the next one there, the black and gold one is the ZOA uh, energy drink promotional controller that, that The Rock personally the rock, he sent, sent that me. To yep, you. Yep, yep, yep. The next one over, the black one that's kind of see-through is the 20th anniversary one that's translucent. I really, really like that one um let me see what else the next two the blue and the green are two different flavors of outriders promotional controller a, a game that i've never played and never will play but i'm happy for them to send me the controllers the next two down mike these are two of my favorites these are these were sent to me by the good people at trolley sour oh, gummy worms Yep. Mm-hmm. two different flavors of sour gummy worm flavored controller the next three are from you'll recognize these mike these are from um space, space jam, jam the Toon. Yep. Well, the three different promotional controllers they did for that and the last one's from Back for Blood. So I now have 24 different, <laughs> I've got more than 24 Xbox controllers overall because I've got duplicates of several of them. But like it, it, like in terms of unique control, I have 24 unique Xbox Series S stroke X controllers. I don't even know, but I, I know it's, it's a, at some point you start to say, well, I guess I just collect these now.
1: Yeah, so you, you're a collector like, now is right. It's my yep. collection, yeah uh of course we have a very special guest joining us mr greg miller has joined us on the show to talk about a brand new game that you all need to know about and i was going to interrupt gary Witta, but he was deep in his duffy i had, to, I had us to finish out i enjoyed the walkthrough
5: i enjoyed and the walkthrough i couldn't do it using, especially the okay. chocolate jizz one that was the one yeah, that really uh, made me know. go So That's why we keep him around this is why we keep him around
4: <laughs> yeah every week See, this every is week. the one thing that sony doesn't have going for again i love the DualSense sense controller i think it's great but they have not mastered the um the bespoke options the way that microsoft has a design they're lab getting they're, better
5: they're, you got you want some gray camo they got gray camo you want I know Gata I know, that you, I know that you can control. go to
4: third party places and they will do wacky designs for you i just wish that sure, sony sure, sure, i wish sure. sony had it i wish they had a design, design lab. lab i'm with yeah, you i wish i wish, cool. I, I wish
1: PlayStation uh, had a design greg, lab greg you can go yeah. camera hot if you'd like to go camera i have hot adjust, to adjust i have adjust to adjust relax yeah the
4: windows are all wacky now yeah, yeah. He's going
1: to adjust that. But, of course, let's welcome in, as we set that all up, Mr. Greg Miller joining us. Of course, you know him from oh, of Funny Games Daily. And, P.S., I love you, XOXO. What am I? Oh.
5: oh, Mike died. He couldn't be here with me, huh? Oh, would he go. That's
1: how it is. I, don't know. I don't know. He said, Greg, hey, I want Greg's here. I wanna, he, he started giving oh, me a dude, really nice back. introduction, he's and then he just bailed on me. I'm here. First Not off, your cameras his, camera's I got down. it. His Steam Deck is showing yeah. off right now, which I absolutely love. But he's showing off a game that I really enjoy. I played the demo of, and Greg, you're here to kind of give us the impression slash review of you suck at parking. Lay it on me, Greg. Why have you not been playing? I game? thought you were a plane playing. No, I have not been playing. I have moved my entire oh my life. Goodness. So I well, missed yeah, out Yeah, super on all stoked the fun. to come in and
5: talk about You Suck at Parking, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you Suck at Parking, uh, a brand new game out on Xbox. It's out on that Game Pass, right? I'm not wrong about that, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, game of course. Pass. And it's on Steam. I reviewed it on Steam for full disclosure. Uh, but of course, yeah, you can get it on your Xbox and get it on Game Pass. And Mike, it's a delightful little game. Um, you know, it reminds me of the same thing that brings people back to Trials, that brings them back to Olly World. It is that. Alright, cool. I, I'm presented with a, a obstacle course. I'm presented with something I need to go do. I need to get through. And you either get through it or you don't and try again. And even once you're through it, of course, there is the great, you did it, but can you master it? Kevin, I'm going to drop you a trailer if you don't already have one going already. here. Alright, send um, it over. So, yeah, the idea, you know, there's a, a, the idea here is that you have your own little car, Mike. And as you can see, there's mine. It looks like a little I'm using a van right now, a little ice cream truck that you can get out there. You can run through. You can make your parts. Uh, but then the idea is that you go in and it's kind of like the a game perspective that I've hated in the past. That uh, slot car view where, you know, you're not isometric by any stretch of imagination, but you have that elevated view. And then you're just using your stick not to turn right so much as, you know, to move the car. Right. If that makes sense. Um And as you see in the trailer here, if you're watching live, uh, your goal is to drive through these levels and find these parking spots, get to the parking spots, park in them, and uh, advance to the next level. The idea here, that's uh, the wrinkle to the core mechanics, as you see it getting crazier and crazier, is that you have uh, right trigger for gas and left trigger for brake, and that's it. Right trigger for gas, left trigger for brake, and then the turning thing. So you can't reverse, you can't overshoot. If you come to a stop, that is, you have parked. And that is that will oftentimes be your failure. You overshoot the spot. You're not where you want to. Here you see the multiplayer mode, which is up to eight players. I have not tested. I know, Mike, you're doing a stream uh, eventually here with it. Uh, The idea is that you can knock each other out. Even when you're playing by yourself, you can also knock... Uh, your previous parks out if you want because of course if there's three parking spots you have to fill all of them to advance the level and move on then of course there is the uh push of all right cool now you want to perfect it you want to get the gold parking spot card rather than just the little bit of pink that you see uh in this trailer as you go through and stuff and so it's a delightful little i don't want to call it time waster because there's more to it than that but what i found mike is it was not the meat of my gaming sessions right it was that i feel like playing something today and i would do a few different rounds of okay cool i'm going through and playing you suck at parking and then eventually i would move on to something else not because i was bored with it but because it is like it almost i i don't get me wrong i obviously on the steam deck which is great i you can have it with uh you know your xbox and uh the cloud and remote playing all that but it strikes me as man i was playing and i'm like man i wish this was native to mobile I feel like this would be a great if I could slap my backbone on and just play it anywhere or play with touch controls, right? Um, It is this little time waster of a game. It reminds me, like I said, of Trials and all these other things as you go through. There's leaderboards on every level, both Global and Friends. Um, What I appreciate about it is, you know, stick with me because I'm going to contradict myself. What I appreciate about it is they have these different worlds, right? And that, is, so you have these different themes to d- different things. Every little uh, grouping of the parking levels have a theme to them that are different. I don't appreciate that. Like they try to do like a Mario World overview kind of thing, where you you're free roaming the island you're on, but then you have to f- drive to a cannon and get shot across to the next island to do stuff over there. Cannons will be locked if you haven't gotten a certain number of parking spots, and so they want you to play that you know island you're on to unlock the cannon to then go to the next thing. Uh, however, you know, it then makes it kind of a bitch. If I want to go back to world one, if I want to go back and perfect something, if I don't want to do this, doesn't matter in the long run. Cause of course you, you can get back fairly easy, but it is the whole thing of having to drive around. And even in the overworld sections, uh, your gas and brake are the same thing. So you can overshoot and like fall off the world and fall off and blah, blah. Anyways though, what I appreciate about the groupings of levels is that they often have themes. And so as you went through and saw some of that, you saw some jump pads, you saw some speed boosts. Like as you advance through these sections in these in these parking levels, they are giving you see fans here. They are giving you slight variations of what you've been doing. So it is that as you advance on, it isn't the same thing as it was in the, in World 1 with the first group of parking levels you were doing. It becomes, uh, okay, cool, there are portals here. Okay, you know, there are, yeah, as you saw, fans, there's, uh, you know, uh, the speed boost. There's. You have a limited amount of time to get to parking spaces, too, and that's your gas meter at the top. So sometimes it looks pretty simple on what they want you to do. But it is that you have to hit this speed burst at the right second to have enough gas to actually make it to where you're going. And so there's a bunch of little variations on it that I found. Oh, man, this keeps it spicy. This keeps it entertaining. This keeps it interesting as I go through. And I appreciated it. And I think, honestly, it's really going to sing in uh, online. I do think that's where it'll be probably the most fun. I think even from the uh, jump here on the main menu screen as you look at it, right? uh i'll try to show it over there uh but it it says online right that's the first thing that it drops on it kind of defaults to putting you to you want to jump in an online match or do you underneath it want to go through the campaign and do stuff that way and so on top of all that which i think it is a really great core mechanic and a great idea i think it, it really does keep it fresh level to level um i think it is fun and tight to control like again like i am not the i want to perfect this i need to nail this i want to shave off a tenth of a second mike uh, this game I was where there were days where it was I just want to keep advancing and then it, I was like man I'm not enjoying this mechanic I forgot which one it was I want to go back and so I went back and just started from scratch of all right cool I want to perfect every one of these I want to go through and knock out every one of these and you know especially go back to those earlier ones where I was learning it now having more uh, knowledge of how to drive it it was more fun for it uh, and the other thing I want to do is it has a great sense of humor obviously there's already you know just in general it's a wacky idea it's a good name for it you know obviously it'll be like you you're great at parking when you do it or instead of you suck at parking uh, it's got a little funny uh, soundtrack too just a really casual chill beats to play through but uh they have a battle pass but they call it your parking pass, which I really appreciate. Uh, it's, you know, it operates similar to what you'd expect from every other battle pass, you know, where we you play through it and you can get a free item. Of course, you can go then also click in and go buy it off the uh, Xbox store, or in my case, the Steam store. Uh, right now, it isn't up and running, so I don't know how much the battle pass is when I try to click through. And this review is more impressions. I haven't done the whole, my uh, actual, you know, homework to run through and do it. There's a whole bunch of microtransactions in it if you want it. All cosmetic. All do you want to buy, you know, like, there's one i was like why would i buy stuff for this thing and then there is one that's like oh this is a hot dog car now and it's got like a hot dog on the top and it shoots little wieners out as it drives and i was like damn and I, I i can check that i remember i think that's only like uh maybe four bucks or whatever i'm like okay i could see that actually being something i would have to get into eventually uh but i'm having a great time with it mike and uh you know i think it's definitely a great uh addition to xbox game pass i think it's really going to shine there in terms of like hey do you want to come play uh this again and for some people, it will be your main course. But for other people, I think it'll be more like me of like, pop in, try it for a while, go through, and then maybe come back every so often.
1: Yeah, Greg. I mean, first off, great detail on all of this. I appreciate you joining the show. I played the Steam um, demo, and that's how I felt it as. It's like an appetizer to my gaming nights, right? When I'm looking for, hey, I'm waiting on my friends to show up. I want to play for a little bit to get it going. This is a perfect game for me to jump into. And I started to have the feeling of, One more try, one more try, like similar to Ali Ali World and Trials Evolution. But I never got to that point. I found myself getting a little more frustrated at some points because there wasn't the reverse or like, you know, that kind of stuff. But I did really like the encouragement of exploration, right? I think at first, like what I experienced in the demo was you're exploring this map and you're trying to figure out where's that third and final parking spot, right? I can't find it and you can't go backwards to look around but I like what they used, right? The first one I think of is that quarter pipe and you send it up the quarter pipe and if you think about it, you can go back down and go reverse essentially where you'd be going. And I thought that was really well done with the level design.
5: If I can toss one out for you, before you go into a course, you can inspect it oh so okay. you can go through and do like the golf thing of like all right well if i was gonna go this way and do that and like kind of get what your run is going to be before you jump in there and then to correct myself i restarted so i could look yeah the hot dog costume pack i'm talking about is 399 which i think is reasonable for getting uh you get the you get a hot dog van you get the paint yada yada but also from this screen i can actually see the parking pass is this so the seat season one pass is 11 uh, 11 bucks but again if that sounds high it is you know again a Fortnite kind of pass, right, where there is a gajillion different things going on. It's still unlocking things, so I can't tell you how many there are, but there's a bunch of different things unlocked there. So you are getting a lot of money if you went through or a lot of things for eleven
1: bucks. My big one as well is looking forward to that multiplayer, up to eight players. I think is going to be really encouraging. Yeah. And you bring up Game Pass here on the Xbox side. This is a game that would be kind of a tough sell for me and my friends, right? If this is priced at twenty or thirty dollars, sure, be for like, sure. Hey, let's buy this we're probably going to get an hour of fun each night out of it, or we might not come back to it, but having it as game pass, this is the type of game I'm always looking for to enter that service and really make a fun night of gaming for me. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm
5: right there with you. And I think, again, that's what will be the success to it is. And again, where I'm talking about, Oh man, I feel like it would be such a great mobile game. And it is because I'm playing it in a handheld fashion. Right. It also does in that same mobile monetization mechanic, right. Where it is like, okay, cool. Well, Get it for free on xbox game pass and then if you want to oh sure try, drop four dollars on a hot dog outfit or drop 11 dollars for 50 tiers of unlockable things because of course i left this off when you know you go through and you finish your level if you jump back to the world or jump out you get rewarded with xp so like you have your own uh, xp for what level you are and you suck at parking in general let alone the battle pass
1: for the season that's going on gary wood i'll open it up to you before we start to wrap down any questions for greg about you suck at parking and maybe you and your family getting involved in this
4: one? No, I got I got, I got a good sense of it, and I'll, it's definitely the kind of thing that I would I would play. And again, Game Pass, I already own it, right? Technically, it's it's there, so why why not give it a try? I actually do, unlike Greg, I actually do like that top down slot car kind of view. I, I I'll go all the way back to the arcades. Remember, like Super Sprint from Atari and Championship for sure, Club where you would where you would you had the little wheel steering wheels, and you would. Um, I, I've just always kind of enjoyed those th- that that style of of uh, of driving around. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and I don't know, do uh, uh, you tell me if I've got this wrong, Greg? But it almost sure. feels like there's almost like a bit of a trials. Yeah, kind of vibes to it you know like that kind of ah oh, one more try you didn't quite make it or whatever like those i enjoy those kind of games it, 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 it's never like the main course but it's always like a fun little diversion maybe between like other games or whatever 100%. i like this little kind of bite-sized games and potentially that the online mode could be really fun
5: yeah and i think they really do nail it where you know even for me not being the oh, i want to shave this off or even Ali Ali world where it was like going and playing through it, i was enjoying myself but some of those i wanted it to be a more zen like all right, cool. This will sound crazy, I guess. I wanted it to be a little bit more super Meat Boy, where while punishing, I feel like those levels are so quick, where it's like if you fuck it up, it's. Like, I don't feel like oh man, I, I like all the Alley World. I kept uh, you know when I was playing it a few weeks ago. Now, when I first started playing it, I was a little tired. I just wanted to chill or whatever, and it was like I kept screwing stuff out like, or screwing stuff up like three fourths of the way through the level. And then I have to work my way back, but there was a way to work your way back. It wasn't difficult. It was just, okay, this isn't the part I'm struggling with. I need to get to it. Where Super Meat Boy is over and over and over again. You suck at parking. There are definitely sections where it's like, oh, man, this parking spot, I can't figure out how to get to exactly. Or, you know, I keep the fan brings me up and it brings me just wrong. It puts me in the wrong spot because you can't, like, hop over the obstacles. They have, like, tire separations or they'll be, like, a little bit like the road is elevated so that if you land in the grass, you can't get back on it or whatever the reload to it was so quick so quick then it was the idea of like cool this isn't the run so let's just go through and try to figure out how to nail this and it did become all right this is now a practice run of like well i can get to those spots no problem how about getting over there where do i want to start what's my trouble spot so that when i would restart the level it would be all right, i'm going to the trouble spot first because if i can nail that and get a gold ticket on that then i can do it on the other spots too and be done there like there's a weird little strategy to it but I find it to be, it's a delightful little game. You know, I've, I'm having a, a great time with it. I'm really enjoying myself with it. Um, I, I highly recommend it on Xbox Game Pass.
1: Thank you, Greg, for joining us here on today's Kind of Funny X-Cast. Talking about you suck at parking, of course, over here on the Kind of Funny side. You can catch us streaming that later this week, so keep an eye out for gameplay. And of course, most importantly, go jump in. It's on Game Pass when you're probably hearing this, so you can go out and have some fun. Greg and Gary, thank you both for an incredible episode of this week's Kind of Funny X-Cast. Remember, you can go check out Danny Pena's book right now available and let us know what do you think the future of Halo will be without Bonnie Ross. With that, thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Peace!